you can do now is to go forward. That's the only thing left. I want us to receive it as a word from God. The only place now as a family of God, as individual families, the only place for us now is to move forward. Every hindrance in any way, the Lord will take them out of the way. Amen. Any obstruction or blockade, they will be removed. Not a pebble will be left behind. The path that has been designed before we were ever born, because I believe. The Bible said before the foundation of the world, he knew us. Every crookedness on that path will be totally removed in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray tonight. That the grace to fly like an eagle, to soar, let it come upon everyone in this place tonight. The Bible says the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous. We command tonight every form, fashion, or weapon, or rod, stretch forth. By the word of the Lord, we command those rods to be broken in pieces in the name of Jesus. Forward, ever. Backward, never. Not anymore. In the name that's above every other name. In the name of Jesus, we say. We hold the enemy captive tonight. Every thought and imagination that is against the knowledge of God in our lives. We hold them captive tonight by the authority of God's word. We bind every walk of the enemy. We take authority tonight. Command life to flow forth into every of our lives. We thank you. Jesus name. We've prayed. I'd like the children to come. We're going to pray for them as they proceed to their class this night. Be happy. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, these are your children. You gave them to us to care for them on your behalf. We commit them to you. Let your hand that came upon Samuel, come upon each of them. Amen. And those that are not here tonight, let your hands come upon them. In the name of Jesus. As this blessing is coming upon these children, let them be extended to every one of our family members. In the name of Jesus. We decree the grace to move forward upon these children. They are in school. Cause the spirit of excellence to come upon them. They are young. Cause the grace to grow, to come upon them without any form of hindrance in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We bless your name. We pray for their children for wisdom, for strength, for inspiration. It takes inspiration to guide children. Lord, we pray for divine inspiration. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. Have a wonderful class tonight. Amen. One of the easiest things for us to do is to center on ourselves. And God is not against it. 
The only issue is that he has a higher plan. He's not against it. Tonight, we've read from the Bible reading Matthew chapter 24. What struck me first from this passage is in verse 4. And it's repeated about four times in this single chapter of the book of Matthew, chapter 24. Jesus said, after being queried by his disciples in verse 4, and Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Take heed. That no one deceives you. The greatest battle we will face as believers in the last days is the battle of deception. Our greatest fear should not be the devil, our greatest fear should be to be moved away from the grace of God. The greatest fear of every believer should be in what is it that I can do that would displease my father. Is our source of life. One of the deceptions that I've seen in the last days is that we have not placed enough attention to the age in which we're living in. Because of the predicament in the world, because of the economic doldrum, because of the physical and natural challenges that we face. Even the focus of our teachings had been affected. But Jesus' first reference in this passage of the scripture, while he was being queried by his disciples about the last days. I'll read verse 3 and 4. Now he sat at the Mount of Olive. The disciples came to him, Matthew chapter 24, privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the the end of the age? Now, what we saw with the disciples was a curiosity to know. What is it that we should look out for in the last days? What are the basic signs of the end of the age? Now, in my study, I found out that one of the reflections of a true relationship with God is that we miss him. Did you hear what I said? Our ultimate goal should be that one day I am going to sit at the table with my God. I'm going to be in the same place with Jesus. I'm going to ask him questions. I cannot wait for that day. That is the proof of a true relationship with God. I have seen believers, when you talk about the rapture, when you talk about the second coming, they are afraid. Now, I want to throw that challenge to all of us tonight. How many of us at some point have taken it upon ourselves to study the events of the last days? We run away from it. I have seen believers telling many times, when we want to study the book of Revelation, they say, no, don't let us go there. It's a difficult book. It isn't meant to be. The word revelation is, means apocalypse, which means the unveiling of what has been covered. It's supposed to be a revealed book. It is not supposed to be a covered book. Why? Because God, as a father, wants us to be aware of the things that will happen at the end of the age. Now, the word may be oblivious to it, but the church must not be. Jesus says, take heed that no one deceives you. Now, one of the deceptions that I've seen is 
the unreadiness, the hesitation to actually pay attention to what is going on now. Now, church, we're living in the 21st century. For many of us who are perceptive in the spirit, we will understand that the spirit of the age is at work. The spirit of the age is at work. And we need to be well informed. And we need to remind each other. Now, if I ask any of us as believers, you will tell me, oh, I believe Jesus is coming back. But you see, the reality, the, 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 the assurance, the, 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 true, the, the true assurance is beginning to wane. And it isn't supposed to be so. I remember reading through the Thessalonians. Many of us remember that the church at Thessalonica, one of the major things you see with that church was the fact that many of them were so conscious of the second coming that some of them were not even ready to work anymore. They were saying, look, what's the point in building houses and having material things if at the end of the day when Jesus appears and we have to go with him in glory, what is the point in having a huge bank account? That was the spirit that was within the church at that time. Of course, Paul corrected there because there was an excess. But we need to be aware. Church, Jesus is coming. Our king will return. <laughs> In the book of Acts of the Apostle, chapter 1, he said, this same Jesus... I think it's in Mark chapter, the last chapter of the book of Mark. This same Jesus, you see him go, will also return the same way. He's coming back. Now, in my study, this is what I found out. It is not just every, everyone who had a serious, strong relationship was concerned about one day meeting with the Lord. One on one. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. I want us to read from one of the patriarchs who, was, who actually was not living in the 21st century. Let's see, Jesus had not died, Hebrews chapter 11. Let's see what this patriarch has got to say about his goal, about his objective, about his plan, about his ultimate desire. Hebrews chapter 11. In verse 10. Now let me read from verse 8. The Bible says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was told, called to go to the place which he would receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. Dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob the heirs with him of the same promise. I'm not going to deal in verse 19 because verse 9 is a loaded verse. Because you know why I said that? The Bible says he dwelt in the tent with Isaac and Jacob. Abraham never saw Jacob. So what was God saying there? <laughs> Abraham never saw Jacob. <laughs> so we'll have time to talk about that someday. But let's look at verse 10. I love this. For he waited. I don't know what your version of the Bible says. For he waited for the city which as foundations was builder and maker is God. How I many of us are reading that? That Abram, a rich man from the east, Abram wasn't poor. Abram wasn't a local, abandoned, useless, insignificant man. He was a notable figure. But the Bible says, Abraham was rich, he had influence, yet he did not lose focus on the ultimate goal. The Bible says he looked forward to a city whose builder and maker is God. What kind of a city was Abraham looking for? What was it about this man that he was looking for a city that could not be built with human hands? He was looking for a city whose builder is God. He was looking for a city whose maker is God. It says, it says the, the Bible says, he waited for the city which has foundations. What was it about Abraham? 
There is goal. It's objective. After talking about Abraham with his faith, with his focus, with one thing that was not left out was that Abraham never, never, never lost focus of his ultimate goal. How many of us at some point have had this recourse to continually remind ourselves we do not have a continuous city in this world. We don't. We'll be here for a while, but we're not going to live here forever. We sojourn in this world. Our permanent city is a city that cannot be beheld by the face of men, by the eyes of men. After hundreds of years, after what we read about Abraham, let's read what the Bible says in John chapter 14. Now we read the understanding of Abraham, a man who had not lived in the New Testament, yet he sought for a city with foundations, you know, whose builder and maker is God. Let's read John chapter 14. John chapter 14 verse 1. What does the scripture say? The Bible says in John chapter 14, this was Jesus. How many of us know, all of us believe with me that um, I've lived with a couple of older people who had passed on to glory. And one of the most critical parts of a man's life or an older person is when they are close to living. Have you noticed that? And the last minute, particularly many of them were aware that they're living, is one of the most critical moments of their lives. They want to seek your attention. They want to come around. They have something to say to you. Is that not true? Now, Jesus knew his departure was close. Now, what has he got to say? I want us to study together tonight. John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. Are we ready? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Does that sound like what we read about Abraham? Jesus is reaffirming what we have read in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. This is why in my father's house are many mansions. Abraham sought for a city whose foundations, with foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. Now, the next sentence is the most profound sentence I've ever read all my life. Jesus said, if it were not so, I would have told you. How many of us, many of us are English students. You understand that? If it were not so, I would have told you. Ah, what a word. If it were not so, I would have told you. In other words, this is more than true. If there's any word called true. I am telling you now that there is a father's house with mansions. But if it were not so, I would have told you. What an incredible sentence. This in itself underscores the importance of our readiness as believers. Not to focus on the things of this world. Jesus said, in the world you have tribulations. But let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. For in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, that you may be also. Ah. Abraham understood this. That where I am, you may be also. Now, tonight I want us to know as believers that in our daily living, in our pursuit, this must be the core focus. This must be our main objective. Every day that one day I am going to see my father face to face. That where he's going to prepare, I'll be there with him. Now, understanding that brings us to this point. How do we know how close we are to the end of the age? 
church. How do we know? How do we know? You know what I noticed? God never left us in darkness. Let's go back to the book of Matthew chapter 24. Let's go back. This is one thing that should excite every believer. That regardless of what the world has got to offer me. Oh, I have a city that the builder and the maker is God. Matthew 24. Let's read about the signs of the end times. The theme of tonight's message, as I tagged it, is as it was in the days of Noah. As it was in the days of Noah. It's interesting now I'm going to begin tonight. I'm going to begin from the latter part of the book of Matthew chapter 24 and then I'm going to go to the beginning. Jesus was looking for a very close analogy to describe the signs of the end times. Now, there have been a lot of false information on rampage in several quarters, particularly with the timing of the, of the end of the age, particularly with the timing of the coming of Christ. There have been a lot of false information, misinformation in different quarters. I remember it was October, it was, I think it was year 2000, not 2000, was it 2000? Uh, it was year 1990 or 1991 when we, we all gathered, in, which year was it? We gathered information when the man said in October, Jesus was 1990. That Jesus was going to return in October, and that uh, was it ninety one or ninety? I wasn't. I'm not sure particularly. And the the entire world was rocked with the information that Jesus was returning in October. And I remember, so many people were selling their houses, selling cars because ninety two. Thank you. Selling all that they had, you know, open. Some went to mountains to wait for Jesus to return. It was wholly demonstration of ignorance. In this passage of the scripture, Jesus explained in detail how his return will be. And that's exactly what we want to study tonight. Can we go together to verse 36 of this same scripture? That's what informed my title tonight. But of the day and hour, no one knows. Do we see that? Do we believe what he said? He says, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. I want you to underline the word only in your Bible. It says, but my father only. Now, why is this important? Jesus began talking about the signs of the age by warning the church about deception. And he said, Look, there will be many false teachers. He began to discuss those, but he said, look, the end and the hour and the night and the time, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. In other words, this information is exclusive to the Father. Does that mean then, as believers, we cannot know? Yes, but he gave us signs. The things that we should look out for as believers that should begin to inform us about the last days. Now, let's take a look at some of the analogies Jesus gave. I want to go straight to verse 42. It says, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour the Lord is coming. Is that repeated again? You do not know the hour the Lord is coming. Verse 43, he gave us an analogy there. But know this. That if the master of the house had known the hour that the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Now, it gave us something vivid that we can relate with. Many of us have experienced burglary before. We've experienced robber, robbers coming into the house. Jesus said, have you ever been in a house and the robbers came? Except for the 21st century robbers in some places, they will not inform you. They won't. They're coming on you suddenly. Open your door. That's all they said. And Jesus said, do you understand that? That's exactly how my coming will be. It went further. Verse 45. He says, who then is a faithful and wise servant? Whom is servant made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant. Whom is master when he comes? 
we find so doing. In other words, the master, while he was leaving, gave this is another, this is a step higher than the analogy we read. He said, Listen, a master was leaving, left his servant with a responsibility. He expects the servant to continue with the responsibility until he comes. He said, when the master comes, he wants to find the servant doing exactly what he's been instructed to do. Now, that brings another dimension to this. For you as my people, you don't know exactly what time, but I have given you enough assignment to occupy you till I come. And in your doing it, I will appear. Look, it is not in my laying back and waiting, but in getting busy for the kingdom's sake and when I show up you will be so doing. You'll be found faithful doing what you're supposed to do. Hallelujah. Let me quickly lead us tonight that what we have read in the book of Matthew chapter 24 they are early warnings of the Lord's return. The great question many of us want to ask tonight is how, when, why? Hallelujah. I want to say this to you. The prophetic timing is ticking. We're closer to the end of the age than we know it. The signs around us obvious. And let me also assure us tonight, the world will be in darkness with regards to the second coming. That was why Jesus said in verse 37, but as the days of Noah's were, so also was the coming of the Son of Man. How many of us know, going back to the story of Noah, because this is another analogy that Jesus used. I went to study uh, Genesis chapter 6 to Genesis chapter 9 before the flood came. This is the story. Now, in many of the things we read in the book of Genesis, there were no strong details about what happened. We got the information better in 1 Peter chapter 2. And I want us to turn to it. Can we turn to it together? What exactly was it in the days of Noah that made it so unique that Jesus used it as a clear example to get us ready as his people for the last days. Second Peter, I'm sorry. Chapter 2. Chapter 2. In Genesis chapter 6, you could go back home and read. It just told us about the genealogy of Noah and how God spoke to him. And that was it. But what exactly happened in between the lines? So we want to read this. Are we there? Second Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Are we ready? For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be delivered, uh, to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood of the world on the ungodly. Now, in the age of Noah, the people were so engrossed in evil and wickedness. In fact, in the book of Genesis chapter 6, the Bible said the imagination of the arts of man was what? Was evil every day. And God was angry and he was ready to bring judgment upon the world. But you see, the world of Noah had no clue. But they were mocking Noah when it informed them about the impending danger and the doom that was coming upon that world. Like today, many of us are scoffed by the world. How many of us have gone to, to share the gospel and they tell you, you know, who allow you to be believing those, you know, all those nonsense? But that's the truth. I've told us stories after stories of people that I've met with in this country. And I've told them about the coming of the Lord. And you know what they tell me? Oh, don't, don't talk about that. There is a modern nature. There is no modern nature. It's a deception of the devil. The devil has come up with inventions to deceive men, to get them to, to get them to be distracted from the true word of God and the coming destruction that is coming upon this world. If you are an unbeliever listening to me today, you need to know that this world will come to an end. Oh yes. 
We need to know that judgment of God is coming upon the world. God will not watch evil to continue. Jesus is coming back. I've been able to pen down a few things that we should pay attention to as believers. But you know what I noticed that I want to bring up from the story of Noah? How many of us agree with me tonight that Noah was aware? Hallelujah. Noah was aware. The people around were now. Now, God gave him instruction to go build and hack. For about 120 years, they were waiting. They did not know. The Bible says suddenly, it came upon them. Now, let's go back to the book of Matthew chapter 24 and see what Jesus has got to say. Matthew 24. I'm reading verse 37 and 38 at this time, and I want us to pay attention to it. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the blood, they were eating and drinking. Do we see that? And marrying and giving marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. The day that Noah entered the ark was it. God said it's over. Now, is there anything wrong in eating and drinking? No. Is there anything wrong in marrying and giving marriage? No. It was a natural everyday lifestyle. And God is saying, as it was in the days of Noah, nothing dramatic you're going to see. It is going to be the same way men will be doing the normal chores. There will be marriage. They will be giving a marriage. They will be eating and drinking. The normal lifestyle will continue. But suddenly, the Son of Man will come. Now, what are the basic signs that were given to us? Let's go back to the book of Matthew, chapter 24, that I read a few minutes ago. I'm going to read, I'm going to, I put them under certain subtitles. Now, the first thing we read was deception. The Bible said there will be false representatives hiding under signs and wonders. Let's read the four verses that speaks about deception. Verse 4, the scripture says in verse 4, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take it that no one deceives you. That's the first scripture, verse 5. For many will come in my name saying, I am Christ, and will deceive many. In other words, many will come in his name. How? What does it mean for somebody to come in somebody's name? They will come as his representative. In other words, they, will, they are angel of darkness, but appearing as an angel of light. In other words, there will be many who stand behind the pulpit, who are not God's representative, but they are representatives of the devil. There will be many who, under the name of religion and religion toga, who would deceive many and would, and would deceive their heart and drive them away from God. Jesus said, many will come in my name. In other words, they will even mention Jesus. We need to be watchful. Verse 11. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Now, it says many false prophets will rise up. Now, what is the meaning of false prophets? A prophet who speaks, pretending he's representing God, but he's representing the devil and himself or herself. There will be prophecies, but they are not from God. There will be false prophets. But the Bible says they will deceive many. The question I want us to to really ask ourselves tonight. Who are the people in the category of many? For many of us who are living in this country, we watch on the TV every day, those who say they can predict, they can tell you, you know, your grandfather who died 10 years ago is by the side of your house trying to talk to you. And he's been trying. You know, he's been making attempt, but you're not listening. You know, you're not really listening. You need to bring him more money. I can tell you what your grandfather has been saying. That man died about 50 years ago. The man has been buried. His bone has died. His bone is dry. He's already become dust. And the man is speaking. You see the deception? I saw in the news how a man says that somebody told him his son that died prematurely so many years back. And his life is held captive by, because of that. And the entire family is married to somebody else now because the wife left him. Now the whole family is waiting to hear from that boy that died almost 10 years ago. Who died at the age of six? Now, that's the deception. Now, they refuse to acknowledge God. But they are ready to submit to things that are less, far less than the living God. That's the deception of our age. 
Now we need to be watchful at God's people. Now number 24. That's another portion that the Jesus talked about deception. Let's read together. For false Christ and false prophets will lies and show great signs and wonders to deceive. If possible, even the elect. You know what touched me here? He's been talking about deception, but he never mentioned the elect. By the time he was going to mention elect, he mentioned wonders. You know why? Because on the basis of the kingdom, I hope we understand that this kingdom is a kingdom that is based on signs and wonders. And he said the deception will affect the elect because many of us will be carried away because of the wonders that we see. I hope we're getting this. That there will be wonders. Now, all of us in the church believe in signs and wonders. And Jesus, except they see signs, they will not believe. So that's in agreement with the word of God. So there will be many who are in, in, in tune with the enemy and they are performing wonders, but they are agents of the devil to deceive the hearts of many. But he says, even the elect touched me. Deception. Number two. Let's read Matthew 24, the same verse. I'm reading verse 32 now. Number two. The point in number two, the first one was deception. The second one is that, that one of the things we need to watch out for, to know that the end is near, is the gathering of Israel. The returning of the nation. Now many of us agree tonight that Israel is a miracle nation. It was born, that nation was born by a miracle. Is that true? That nation lives by a miracle because I cannot expect a nation that small living in the midst of enemies day and night. And they are never choked up. Many of us remember the six-day war. Do we remember? When Israel was almost done, the, the enemy thought, we, we got them now. But God fought for that nation. They are right in the midst of the enemy. And God has preserved them. It's a miracle nation. And that nation is being sustained today by miracle. Now, there are many parts of the world. In fact, recently, what was being discussed in the U.S. about the airport security, everybody that I listened to said, look, let's go back to Israel and see how they do it. Small nation. But you know what is working for them? I mentioned it here. They are under God's covenant. Are they all Christians? No. It's a miracle nation. And I believe... Because that nation was born a miracle, it lives a miracle and has been preserved by the miraculous hand of God. Do you know for about 1,500 years, I was reading this in history and I penned it down, for about 1,500 years, that nation has been scattered around. But in 1948, that nation began to, get, began to come back. People began to come from different parts of the world. It is called the ingathering. They began to gather again. It's one of the signs that Jesus mentioned. How? Let's read it. Verse 32. This is what the scripture says. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and put forth leaves, you know that the summer is near. Many of the theologians believe that the fig represents Israel. That when it begins to bud again, it shows that the summer is near. Let's read another verse in Luke chapter 21, verse 29. We can write the scriptures down and study at home by ourselves. Luke chapter 21, verse 29. Luke 21, 29. It says, then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are ready, already budding, you see and know for yourself that summer is now near. So, fig was used theologically to represent Israel. And when that tree begins to board, what does it mean to board? It's beginning to come up and to begin to become fruitful. It shows that the summer is near. It means Jesus is saying, when you begin to see the ingathering, and that has started since 1948. You know how many years 1948 to this year? He says, begin to watch out. The end is near. About 62 years ago, right? The end is near. Number three. This was mentioned here in verse 14. I'm going to read verse 14 of the same Matthew 24. This is what Jesus said. He says, and the gospel of this kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and the end will come. Now, a lot of people have said, well, it doesn't really mean that the gospel will reach the whole nation, but we read it here. It says, and the gospel will be, it's not saying that the preaching of the gospel will end the world, but it's saying 
this gospel will reach them. So we're yet to do that completely. But many of us understand today that there are certain things we need to watch out for as believers. Have we noticed the cable network? In some remotest part of the world today, that even places where it's a stronghold of Islam, it's a stronghold of, of all sorts of, you know, of all sorts of religion, the word of God is penetrating into those places faster than we think. The radio network, the cable network. So technology is proving this prophecy to be true. You know, as believers, each day as I read the prophecies of the last days, please gather books. Let's buy books about the, about the last days. If you want to recommend, I recommend. Don't buy the wrong ones. I recommend the right books for us. As we begin to read, when we see what is going on around us, it will shake us to our foundations. Now the Bible talks about rumors of war and wars. Do we remember what is going on in Korea and North Korea recently? There's a threat of nuclear weapon. Not crazy. If the U.S. does not stop, we're going to do something about that. Look, some of these things are reflections. They are pointers. And that's just one out of many. That we need to be quick in our understanding as believers that when we begin to see these signs coming to pass, it's a reflection that the end is near. I remember some years ago when we used to talk about this, uh, you know, it was in college. And I remember some brothers and sisters used to say, ah, please, Jesus should wait until I get married. It's lack of understanding. <laughs> Because to us that time, marriage was everything. Now, to the many of us are married, and um, I don't know what the excuse will be today. God, wait until I have kids. Cover this. After that. God, wait until I become a rich man. After that. What is it? I remember it was a big deal. I, I remember so many sisters used to say, Oh, God, please wait for me. Let me get married. Because there was so much consciousness about the Father Jesus was coming. Now, I want to. Stir up our pure minds as believers today. Let us not live every day as if the end will not come. No. Let's live in the consciousness of that. Now, what God wants us to do is to be awakened. Now, what would this do to us? Number one, this will keep us in check as believers. It will keep us in check. Your life needs to believe with the hope of accountability. Is that right, church? We need to live with the hope of a catastrophe. That's number one reason. Number two is the fact that we need to awake from our sleep and begin to share the gospel with the world. Because the truth is, if they sleep into eternity without Christ, they are gone forever. Anyone who sleeps into eternity, anyone who sleeps into eternity without the knowledge of God, that's why Jesus won. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What will he give in exchange for his soul? That's how precious a man's soul is. We need to be awake as believers. We need to share the gospel with the world. We need to go out of our comfort zone. We need to see outside of our career, our major preoccupation as believers every day is to constantly thinking, how can I witness Jesus to my next neighbor? How? God, give me wisdom. God, give me ideas. God, not necessarily for the church, but necessarily for their own future, for their eternity. Let me mention the signs. Now, there is a sign that is very delicate. Many of us are not watchful about that. How many of us know that one of the things we will see is that there will be one word government. That's one of the things the scripture you know, prophesied about the last days. One word government. And you see, Today, there have been a lot of move, you know, from the demonic world, and there have been a lot of move, you know, by so many occultic world talking about the new world order. Have you have we heard about new world order? Yeah, new world order. And now, even in our own in our own country here, uh, there have been celebrity who are the forefront of new age movement. We need to be aware. Oprah Winfrey, those are the people at the forefront. Of new age movement. And you know what the new age movement believes? They believe that you're the God of your own self. There's an inner consciousness. You don't need any God. And many believers do not know. I have seen believers fraternizing with such people. And you know, the enemy is strategizing. Using several, I have names here, of several, many of us don't know them. And there are people who have taken over the media. They've taken over the entertainment world. They are in charge of Hollywood. They're in charge of many, 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 pro, you know, profound businesses in the world. Why? Because the enemy knows that the deception will have to take place when they gain grounds. 
New world order. And what is the new world order? To reduce the currencies of the world, to streamline it. Now, many of us know about the euro, and the whole Europe will be spending that. All is preparing the ground for the end. Number five, or number four, number five. Many of us have mentioned it here before, the invention of microchips. Now, the microchips is not new, but a new one has been developed that's like a, like a grain. I was listening to David Jeremiah, was talking about a grain, you know, some years back, I think it was 1974. You know what we use at the store where the, you know, this, um, what do we call it? You know, uh, the scanning of, the code that is scanned at the store. Barcode that is that is scanned at the store was developed in 1974. Now the one that has been developed now is that a chip will place in your hand on your forehead that anywhere you go they can scan your information. They don't need anything from you. They just scan it. They know everything about you. And the professor had already taken it to himself. He's already planted that microchips in himself. Every information about you is stored up in that microchips. And I want us to be awake as believers. This news. These things are in the news every day. We listen to the news, we're just waiting for snow to fall. That's not what we should be listening to. We should be listening to the things that's about to come. These are the things that are, that are staring us in the face. Microchips. They will place it in the fatty issues, according to them, behind the ear or in the other parts of the body that can provide computer tracking. For whatever. Many of us know that some of the cars we're driving, some of your cars can be tracked. Now, for many of us who have iPhone 4, you have iPod Touch 4th generation, there is something in your phone that can be tracked. Your phone cannot be lost. You can track your car. You can track anything from that phone. Is that true? I just saw it. You can download all those apps, right? You can download them and know anything where your things are. You can find them anywhere. What do you think is going on? And then we join the world to say, oh, the world is becoming, you know, a global village. Great. Interesting idea. Number six. The Bible speaks of the plagues that we'll see in the last days. The revelation of the plagues. One frightening event is that many plagues will strike the generation before Christ comes. One of those, we've been to see some of those plagues. We saw HIV AIDS that ravaged many cities of the world. There have been cities that have, been, that have been totally wiped out by HIV AIDS. I mean, it's not our joy, but they are signs of the last days. There are many other ones. We live in a country where we see all sorts of diseases today. Many of us are nurses. We see it every day. There are some that are being understood. There are many research that is going on on many of those plagues, but the Bible prophesied about it. Number seven. Unprecedented earthquakes. We remember what happened in Haiti. Few few months ago, and it happened in several places after that. All sorts of earthquakes in the history, in the, you know, in, in in the Orient. But I mean, it's not new. But you see, in the study, in the scientific study and research, it has been said that in every century there have been more magnitudes, higher magnitudes of earthquakes than in previous centuries. That what we're experiencing in the 21st century was far more than what was experienced in the 20th century. That's the, that's the key part of this. It's not just that it's happening. It's the fact that the rapidness, the, you know, the rapid, the speed at which it happens. And the enormity of the destruction pointed to the last days. I've mentioned the potential for nuclear war. And it's real. And we need to be aware of it. Now. Another sign that we see in the last day, this was mentioned in the book of Daniel chapter 12. We can go home and read all of this. Daniel chapter 12 is the increase in knowledge. Do we remember that? Increase in knowledge and increase in travels. Just this last week, China developed another train that is the fastest train in the world. Cute. You need to see it. To travel. The speed of light is gone. (laughs) Scoffers will come. Now, that's what we're experiencing now. There have been scoffers. Now, how many of us know the issue of the scoffer now? Everything has been done to make it politically correct. Is that not true? Political correctness. Now, just this week, in some places where for many centuries there have been Christmas stand and Christmas light. Now, the local council, the people gather together and said, we don't want Christmas there. Call it holiday light. 
They should take it away. We saw it in the news. What do we think when we see those things? We think it's just normal. It's scoffing. Scoffing that Christ, what is it that, what has Jesus done to anybody to hurt them? What has he done? What did we do? What is the offense? You know what I see? The people that shouldn't be allowed in are given more opportunities. Now they said because of human rights, there are people that you should allow. You don't even profile them. But believers with Christmas lights, how many times, many of us are seated, you cannot greet people in Christmas, but happy, uh, you know, happy Christmas. You cannot, happy holidays. If you're working in an office, you, 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 some people were working in banks, they said, Merry Christmas, they, sent, they fired them. Oh, yes. Yeah, got fired. What do we think we're listening to? It's the end of the age. Now, you know what we have seen? There is rise in lawlessness. There is moral breakdown. Many of us know that one of our greatest fears today is that how do we raise our children in a corrupt environment like this and we stand for God? Is that not true? You watch TV. My remote is in my hand when I'm watching TV. <laughs> Take it away from there. You can, I'm, watching, I'm watching news. Even in the news. The children don't watch anything other than Christian channel. But even when you want to watch the news, you're hoping you're holding the remote in your hand because when they bring in an advert, you quickly take it back away. That's how vigilant we are. I remember growing up, there was no such. May the Lord bless us. As it was in the days of Noah. Let's rise up to now. We're going to pray. I know this is not the kind of meeting we're expecting, but it's important. It's important. It's important that our hearts are open to the things we're seeing. Now, many younger generations, you know, like, you know, like young ones, they don't see it. But God will help them to see it. That this generation, we may be closer. I'm not saying we are the generation, because I don't want to become a false prophet. I'm not saying that this, uh, we are the last to see Jesus. But you see, from all the signs around us, we may be closer. What should be our response as believers? Number one, live each day as if it's the last. Did you hear what I said? Live each day as what? As if it's the last. Now, I can say this. Can I talk? Can I put on the...